I'm from Sacramento. I grew up here like you, mm. and I care about the future of my hometown. And my kids are in high school now. They walk or take light rail home from school. So I care about safety of our city and dealing with homelessness. It's not good for anybody. It's not right. good for the homeless, nor is it good for the neighborhoods, communities, small businesses. I've always prided myself on working with others to be effective. If you want to go fast, you go alone. If you want to go far, you go with others. Right. So the old African proverb rings true in this job. And so I'm very collaborative. I'm practical. I'm looking for real solutions. Hello and welcome again to another episode of Sacktown Talks. Today, we're glad to be joined by one of Sacktown's finest, Assemblyman Kevin McCarty. Kevin, thanks for coming on again. What's going on? Good to be here. I, I, I love uh, talking about Sacramento and, you know, all things politics. So great to have you back. You're being super relevant this year so far, starting the year off with a bang. Uh, tackle football, banning youth football, you know, got national news, national headlines. Can you kind of talk about the journey and the bill and kind of where you're at with that now? Well, it was just a kind of a coincidence that came mm. up out of the year. It's a two-year bill. Right. And frankly, it's it's a seven-year bill. I've been working on this issue for seven years since Jerry Brown was governor. And and I guess the big picture is, um, look, I love football. I'm mm. a big Niner guy. I hope yeah. this is the year after 29 years to get the Super Bowl ring again. Um, I played tackle and, and flag when I was a kid. And just growing research, it says that it's not just banning it. Right. It's like maybe having the littlest kids do flag when mm -hmm. they're six, seven, eight, nine, ten, before they reach puberty, before their heads right. get massive damage. And, you know, it's not me. It's NFL legends like Warren Sapp, uh, Drew Brees, the late um, uh, John Madden. You know, mm -hmm. they're, they're all saying, Brett Favre saying, you know what? Wait till kids reach uh, reach puberty. And, and the research is changing year after year. And, um you know, the medical community is now supporting this change, you know? Oh yeah. Like even like family know, like, doctors. I have, I have little boys and like, I definitely would not let them play tackle football. You know, they it, were it's 12. A, and I know Every, everyone's like, Oh, banning tackle football. I was like, well, no, not banning tackle football under 12. Right. Yeah. We're still That's allowing football. I mean, yeah. the NFL is sponsoring huge flag leagues right. for little kids. Mm -hmm. You look at their TV commercials for the games this weekend yeah. and you know, throughout the playoffs and Super Bowl, they'll, they'll be highlighting youth, Flag. Right. So it's just a way for, you know, as little as kids and their brains are still developing, you know, wait till they get older. And some say, you know, it's always parents' rights. And I get that. I, I, I'm a parent. I have kids mm. that play youth sports. And, you know, there's certain times when, you know, it's about protecting kids right. and public safety and public health. Exactly. And this is one where super controversial. I, I, I didn't yeah. think it was going to explode at the beginning of the year. Because it was, it was a two-year bill. Right. So we had to hear it right, right now. And one thing that really changed is there's only one guy in the legislature that played in the NFL. He only played for a hot second. Yeah, Avelino Valencia. Yeah, yeah, only one guy. He said, yeah, this is the right call. So that really told a lot of lawmakers that, you know what, this isn't a far-fetched nanny government type idea, but this uh, makes sense. You have uh, medical research, medical professionals, and hey, the legends, the greats are mm -hmm. saying it can wait. Yeah, that's something. You know, I remember when I was a kid and they made um, the law where you had to wear a helmet if you were a kid riding your bicycle. <laughs> and it was the same outrage. Like, oh my God, we're forcing these kids to wear helmets. And now it's just, you know. Uh, this is one thing, thing, Jared, yeah. where, you know, parents and moms are voting with their feet. Um, did you did you go to Jesuit, you said? Yep. So yeah. Jesuit used to have a robust... Um, 
a Pop Warner League. Mm-hmm. Now it's pretty much all flag yep. for little kids. And then they do the they do the tackle when they get to 12, 13, yep. 14, which is what I'm proposing. Right. And so it's happening anyway. P- p- parents are voting with their feet. Um, but I think in 20 years, it'll be, it'll be like, this will yeah. be like what's happening. It'll be like, what, what, why was it such a big deal back then? Yeah, it was funny. My, uh, I'm my five-year-old playing flag football right now. And he asked my wife, who's told him he can never play tackle football. If when she dies, he can play tackle football. Oh boy. And she said, no. <laughs> so you're right. The, the well, moms, if, the if moms he, are voting if he with asks his assembly member, yeah. McCarty, I'm good with him once he turns uh, after 12, yep. middle school, 13, yeah, puberty. Go. Yeah. So new year, uh, what is this? Your last year in the assembly, nine years, uh, you've done a lot. What are some of the most memorable things you've done these past nine years? What are some of your favorite accomplishments? Well, this is my 10th year, so I'm leaving uh, two years early to to run for mayor of Sacramento, which is kind of interesting, too. You may want to ask about that later. Most people think I'm crazy doing that because... I know, we are. We are going to ask you if you're crazy. Yeah, Yeah. that's true. Um, I love the legislature. Mm -hmm. I love making a difference on youth sports, education, you know, public safety, the environment. So it was a tough decision, Um, but I've really proud of the mark um, that that we've left these last, you know, nine, 10 years. And we had a good run with the budget and I was chairing the budget committee most of those years right. for education. So, you know, just this week we we announced that, you know, 15,000 more Californians get to go to UC, you know, in the last couple of years because yeah. of the work that That's we a lot. did. Yeah. That's a lot. That's changes lives mm-hmm. um, that I'm, you know, changing, um, you know, rules on when kids can start school to go to pre preschool for free, pre-K, universal transitional kindergarten. We're implementing, um, you know, after universal after school programs. I, I created this program where it's going to fund the the construction of student housing and colleges for mm. UC and CSU throughout California. So we're trying to save that money in the budget. So w- what I'm l- really looking at my last year is kind of help implement those pieces. But also, there's a few things we're trying to save right. in this budget dialogue as far as the yeah challenging year, the right? budget. Yeah, I don't think it's as bad as we thought a few months ago. And mm-hmm. I think by and large, we'll be able to preserve these transformational investments we made in California for, you know, education, childcare, preschool, higher education. So, um, but I still have some 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 unfinished business and I'm looking to do some legislation this, this year on, uh, you know, higher education, um, financial literacy, um, adult education, you know, cleaning up some of the universal uh, transitional kindergarten, pre-K, and then some other hot topic issues like public safety and yeah, yeah. and, so, uh, and um, taking taking a look at retail theft, drug use, Prop mm-hmm. Forty Seven. That's that was put on my plate by the speaker a few months ago to really zero in on this. My so, last so it's year. interesting. So so last year the public safety committee was like national news about you know no bills getting through. Um, and so here you are, you're now the chair of the Public Safety Committee. Um, kind of, yeah, what has the speaker told you that are the priorities and what, you know, you guys need to get accomplished here? Well, I, I think it was, well, I think it was the other way around. I think I was appointed by the speaker and asked to do it because I have these views. Right. It wasn't like, hey, you go there, do this. Mm-hmm. Um, I had all, you know, I've done some, some major public safety reform bills over the years, like more accountability for police shootings. Um, a lot of uh, reintegration for formerly incarcerated employment, uh, voting rights, allowing them to serve in the, you know, California Conservation Corps, fighting fires and so forth. So I've done a lot of work, you know, on, on both sides of these issues. Mm. But last couple of years, I really pushed um, con- controversial issue with 
kind of the drug court concept to, to putting people into drug treatment right. when they're sentenced for other crimes. And that was controversial. But I view that people need to feed, you need to, you need to address their addiction in the criminal justice system. So I think that's one of the flaws in Prop 47. We don't have these, you know, drug courts to kind of push people to address their underlying issue. And so, you know, that was opposed by, you know, the ACLU and some other groups. So I shown a willingness to to lean in and to realize that the status quo is not working. Right. So that's what our, our caucus and our speaker wanted is to be more open to, you know, reforms. Um, in other words, I think in, in a simplistic term, you can bring more accountability and, and um, consequences for people who are repeatedly going to a retail establishment right. and stealing stuff, whether it's a liquor store or a grocery store or a Home Depot. Mm -hmm. You know, and people that are, you know, on the streets, you know, using drugs and fentanyl and so forth right. in public, um, more accountability. The flip side, we don't want to put people in prison for right. 20 years. So my job is the next few months is kind of the referee to, to find the middle, ground. the middle ground. Right. And I'm an optimist and I, and I kind of see the direction where we can, you know, make this work. And so, you know, we, we will have a robust answer. And I think for the past few years, it has been status quo is good, and, and that's not enough anymore. The, the vast majority of the legislature and our Democratic caucus want some change. Yeah. But again, we don't want to go back to 20 years to life for stealing a piece of pizza. Exactly. Yeah, we just had a guest on the other day, and he was talking about those extremes of you know having everyone incarcerated or having no rules at all and everyone kind of doing what they want, kind of finding that middle ground. Kind of what are what are some of the challenges in finding that middle ground and you know getting people on board to support it and actually change things? I think it's fear, you know, fear, fear of the unknown, mm -hmm. what it's going to look like. Um, you know, there are uh, groups who who fought hard to bring back their redemption side. I'm really proud of the stuff that we, we that we've done for people that have been warehoused in prison for 20 or 30 years, committed a crime when they're 18 or 19, right. now they're 40 or 50. Those people, when they get out, very rarely you see them as far as a recidivism statistic. So we don't want to get rid of all of those important reforms um, and some of the Prop 47, you know, as far as, you know, too many drug offenses were just being, you know, warehoused in prison and sometimes county jail. But the flip side is there is not as much accountability. So I think there's there's a fear mm -hmm. of, of the unknown. Um, you know, I think some of the proposals that have been put out so far maybe go too far uh, as far as kind of lock them up and some are not far enough. So uh, the legislature is a messy process. Right. And um, I, I think, you know, my job, what the speaker asked me to do is, is work with our colleagues. And we have a select committee on this too, that's chaired by some members of Burr, which I'm on too. We're hearing, we have multiple hearings on this go around California is to have an answer. I think the public is frustrated. They don't understand why when they go to target, they have to get a right. key to get, um, to get their deodorant mm. before you'd have to get a key to get, you know, um, you know, the video player, whatever right. it's called, MP3 players. Now you have to get, um, <laughs> not MP3 players. What's it called? The kids yeah. games. Uh, oh, video games. Yeah. Video games. Yeah. The consoles. Yeah. yeah. MP3 is different. I was like, how the world has changed and MP3 yes. players now worth less than deodorant. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So uh, it, yeah, we need to, you know, be realistic yeah. and, you know, bring a little more common sense to the equation. So, yeah, it's, it's interesting. So kind of wanted to talk to you about homelessness, but kind of want to talk to you about Sacramento and being mayor. Yeah. And it's a tough job. You know, not many mayors in this city have left with glowing results. You know, uh, everyone wants to go in and wants to change the city and they kind of leave kind of uh, defeated. 
uh, you know, we saw, I don't know how many years ago, Mayor Steinberg came mm -hmm. in there with a lot of hope and, yeah. you know, he was slammed with COVID and, you know, we had Mayor Johnson before that. Um, you know, it's a tough job. And so there's always this talk about like the strong mayor and like how Sacramento doesn't have a strong mayor. Can you kind of explain what the mayor in Sacramento's role is and how it's different than a council member or a mayor yeah. in another city? Well, the first part of your question is a true one. Um, a lot of people, when they say, hey, you're running for mayor, Kevin, they, they say, why are you doing that? Yeah. Are you insane? It's a, you see what happened to Steinberg. You right. see Kevin Johnson. It's not always easy. And you have an amazing job being a legislator. Right. That's true. But I guess the big picture is I'm, I'm from Sacramento. I grew up here like you, mm. and I care about the future of my hometown. And uh, my kids are in high school now. They walk or take light rail home from school. And so I care about safety of our city and dealing with homelessness. It's not good for anybody. It's not right. good for the homeless, nor is it good for, for the neighborhoods, communities, small businesses. So, you know, I kind of got frustrated by what I've seen and decided, you know what, I'm going to roll up my sleeves and, uh, and, and get in there and, and do it myself. And, you know, not that one person is, you know, Superman could come in there and solve all the problems by snapping their fingers, right. but... I'm confident that with my experience and skill set, I've been a city commissioner, I've been a city council member, I've been an assembly member, and I've always prided myself on working with others. And that gets to the strong mayor mm -hmm. question to be effective. You know, if you want to go, you know, uh, fast, you go alone. If you want to go far, you go with others. Right. So the old African proverb rings true in this job. And so I'm very collaborative. So I, I've had to use those skills as a, as a, as a legislator, as a city council member to be effective. So I, I will certainly br bring that and going, going eyes wide open what I can and can't do. Um, I'm practical. I'm looking for, you know, real solutions to our, to our issues, whether they're homelessness, addiction, um, you know, building more housing. We, we do have this council form of government where the city manager you know, runs a city, mm -hmm. not the mayor. And that has created a lot of frustration for citizens and Steinberg is that, you know, there's a problem and people say, Hey, you're the mayor, right. you're, you're the guy with the, you know, the, the muscle to solve these problems when the mayor li literally is one of nine votes. You're, you, you have just as much power as one of the council members. You know, you have the bully pulpit, you chair the meetings, you kind of set the agenda for the city. So, you know, I'm comfortable with those rules. That mm -hmm. this, it is what it is. It's been that way in Sacramento. Our residents like it that way. There's been Yeah, we tried to change it what two times. Yeah. And it didn't work. Multiple times the voters say no, they don't want, you know, strong mayor. They want, you know, you know, equal equal opportunity for council members and, and mayor and citizens to to be engaged, not, you know, big money mm -hmm. interest to, to run the show. So, so that's interesting. So we have the districts and the people from those districts vote for the member. And then we just have a citywide member at large, basically. That's the mayor. That's what the yeah. mayor. That's mm -hmm. fascinating. Yeah, and it just shows that you have to be effective. Mm -hmm. You have to be a good people person. You can't go in there with a big ego and be like, hey, I'm the mayor and I have the best ideas and every day, you know, have a press conference and people are going to follow you. Right. I, I think what I've learned is, no, you want to, like, again, that proverb, you want to go far, you go with others and you mm -hmm. slow down, have people walk with you. And so that's been my skill set as an elected leader for, um, you know, 20 years. And I always, I always look for you know, practical solutions. Let me give you one that's hot right now is that at, we had went through the pandemic. You mentioned um, we had COVID and, you know, downtown just died. And actually during the pandemic, Midtown thrived. Right. People live there. So I'm thinking, hmm, downtown is still not doing well. So let's, you know, turn the lemons into lemonade. So I, I introduced a bill a couple of years ago. The governor signed it. It's called the Adaptive Reuse Bill. Mm -hmm. well, let's turn our state offices they're underutilized into housing. Right. If we had more people down here, 
we bring more life to the to the area which we have you know not a lot going on sometimes safety questions and lack of affordable housing being built so literally right now a few blocks from the capitol the old edd building at 800 capitol mall we just selected a developer to turn that it's almost a full block square block into uh 500 plus um rental housing wow. units all affordable so you know that's the first one that the governor's team is dgs is really excited mm-hmm. about using it as the as the example as the model for sacramento and potentially across california so that really has has a great opportunity to bring life to our core you know we used to have a thriving downtown 60 70 years ago right here right. and now we have the state offices and it's been hit or miss as far as as success and i think repopulating that area is a big win for us. So, you know, that's kind of what I'd like to give an example of looking at problems, looking for solutions right. and bringing about good ideas going forward. It's interesting, like the state owns so much of downtown Sacramento, right? That's something we don't usually realize. Yeah, we don't pay property tax money either. That's yeah. a, I know mayors for years have always lamented about that. So I think the governor is realizing that too with some of the some of the uh, executive orders we've done the last couple of years with surplus land. Mm-hmm. The one thing here with this adaptive reuse, it's complicated turning an old building into housing. Right. There's a few examples in, in Sacramento. The Maidstone over there on 11th and K mm-hmm. used to be office. Now it's housing. The Citizen Hotel used to be office, you know, 20 years right. ago. And now it's a hotel, but same type of concept, you know, residential kind of. So some other state buildings could be potentially utilized by their their makeup, their stairways, where the elevators are into housing. Some they may have to scrape right. them and, tr- and turn them down, build, tr- tear them down. But there's, um, I guess, the big picture. There's options because th- the nature of work is changing, mm-hmm. and so we we may not need all these offices downtown here in Sacramento and across our country. So you know, what one problem we do have, housing and homelessness. So let's focus on those merging those two things together right yeah that's interesting because it's like before covid everyone wanted to live closer to downtown because that's where they work and now that you know people are working from home you're seeing the suburbs just you know thrive and and you know grow price-wise exponentially Mm -hmm. um kind of affordable housing in sacramento um you know it's tough for some people to buy homes in these areas you know they can be you know they're close, like median price is almost a million bucks in some areas. Kind of, yeah. what's some of your solutions to kind of making homes more affordable in around the city? Well, I'm very concerned about, um, you know, entry level state workers, you know, state employees, people that work for associations, people that work at the Capitol. Yeah, staffers, right? Staffers. Yeah. I mean, I think when I was a staffer and I was able to, you know, buy my first home and rent an apartment here, it, it was way under. 30% of my income. Right. And now there's no way you have to make $100,000 to buy a house or, or sometimes, you know, rent an apartment down here on your own, you know, close to that. And so, you know, most apartments being built right now that you see, they're market rate apartments and they're two grand a month. Mm-hmm. Um, so we need to build way more housing on all levels. And I have some ideas for that. The state and the city have done a great job changing the zoning laws to make it easier to change from commercial to residential right. to go f- to make it a duplex to to to, to do all the zoning issues. Um, one thing that cities and Sacramento has not done a good job at, which I want to zero in on, is the building permit side. You know how long it takes to get your city building permit. How the building department doesn't always coordinate with the utilities department. It's just very frustrating. I know this firsthand. We built an ADU in our backyard a year ago. Really? Man. And I went through this. I remember my contractor told me, Well, Kevin, 
it's frustrating for you, but you should think about my project I have over here, a mile from here. They, mm-hmm. They're way worse than you. That you, they probably know your name down there, the building right. department. So I was like, huh, he's probably right. So I, I was thinking about it that, you know, construction projects are tough to pencil out for a lot of reasons um, that are out of the city's control. Uh, interest rates, you know, cities right. don't control interest rates. Um, labor costs, those are driven mm-hmm. by the labor market. Materials costs for wood and concrete and steel, those are all, you know, fixed costs outside the city. But what the city can control is time and certainty. So if you can cut down the time to get a an approval and have more certainty and have more streamlining and working to get projects done, I think that could be a huge win and a competitive advantage to green light right. more affordable housing projects. All statewide, yeah. Statewide, but right here in Sacramento. So what I want to do as 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 mayor is, you know, what can we do to bring in the the construction industry, our, our planning and the planners, architects, engineers to to come up with like a a plan, a blueprint right. commission. Like, what can we do so we can, you know, like you really pump some oxygen in these projects? That's funny because uh, you know you, you guys have passed so many bills over the years to kind of increase housing with ADUs and things like that. You know, I've talked to developers, especially in Los Angeles, who are talking exactly what you're talking about. Is they're frustrated because their permit is stuck for like a year or more sometimes, mm-hmm. and they actually hire people. They're, these guys are called like. Um, fixers or something like that and all their job is to nag the city department to, to like you know step the the permit through the process and it's not always uh, it's consumer friendly like yeah. like you have to go no, you basically have, have, you have to hire to your, a lobbyist to, to get the job done it's crazy or you have to use an app yeah you know you know what if you're a construction company that your workers don't have an, mm-hmm. an iphone right they don't speak perfect english they're going in there and trying to we're not always you know, customer friendly dealing right. with pe- consumer friendly dealing with people. You have to go only on certain days. You, you you show up like for your you know you used to be able to walk in like hey I'm here for my building permit to do this new roof like oh you need to come back on a Tuesday. Mm. Well today's uh, a Thursday like I'm here you're open right. help me. So you know when I was um, on the city council we had the city manager and his mantra was get the customer to success. That's a good one. That's right. what you see in like, you know, top retail establishments like Nordstrom's or, you know, take, taking care of customers. And I was like, huh, you know, we need to bring back more of that. And that went away. We had some flaws and there was some corruption in building permits during the flood moratorium out in Thomas. But, you know, we kind of threw the baby out with the bathwater. But I think we need to go back to those concepts and like, how can you help people get projects across the finish line faster? Because mm-hmm. that helps the city, it helps economic development, it helps people be able to afford, it checks off so many boxes and it impacts homelessness, which right. we haven't really talked about yet either. Like that's the issue we, we see is not enough houses in the pipeline to get people, you know, from one step to the, to the next. Right. Yeah. And that's obviously one of the biggest problems of the city is, is homelessness. And, you know, they've been trying to work on it and, you know, um, you know, trying different solutions, but it doesn't seem like anything's worked quite yet. And we're still seeing tents randomly here or there popping up kind of how do we finally get in front of this problem and kind of you know maybe we can't solve it 100 percent, but at least make it you know better like it was five years ago yeah we need we need to make it better we can't make it worse and so i think it mm. first has stopped the bleeding um you know that's that's one of the top reasons i decided to leave the um legislature and run for mayors because i i saw it firsthand I, I live in the core of the city and we have tents right on the corner from our house and our kids are walking home from middle school last year and the last stretch uh, to getting home, they had to walk in the street yeah. underneath the bridge there and uh, underneath the freeway. And so it's just, you know, very, very frustrating for everybody for, you know. Um, so I, I, I think what I've learned the last few years is it's, 
not always money. Sometimes it's just, you know, a sense of urgency in leadership. And let me give you an example. You know, two years ago, uh, the, the county of Sacramento asked me if I could help them get some money in the budget to build emergency shelter to get people off the American River Parkway. You know, the parkway is our jewel of Sacramento. Right. I love the parkway. It's my top district priority. So I told the county supervisors, sure, I'll try to get some money in the budget. So two years ago, remember, we had this surge in the state budget. Right. So, you know, they asked me if I can get a $10 million earmark in the budget for emergency housing, emergency shelter to, next to the parkway to get people off of the parkway. I said, yep, I'll, I'll fight for it. So lo and behold, the budget passed that year, you know, and I got an earmark of $25 million. Wow. They did not 10, yeah. not 15, not, not 25 million. So more than double what they asked for. And, you know, we're going up on two years and they haven't spent one penny. So, you know, the supervisor who helped me, Supervisor Desmond, mm -hmm. he's equally as frustrated as I am. I'm not at all throwing him under the bus because right. he's like, Kevin, keep banging the drum too, because this is just unacceptable. And so, you know, the constituents and the voters are like, hey, this is the top problem fix it. And then we say, Oh, we need money to do X, Y, and Z. And we get money and we, it doesn't always play itself out. So I think too often, you know, governments, including right here in Sacramento, we, we focus on the perfect as opposed to the good, looking mm -hmm. for the perfect solution for this right. life. Let's focus on the good. So the good, my eyes is like, Hey, let's use some vacant land, like Cal Expo, the old park and ride sites next to the freeways. Um, you know, the city courtyards we're not using. Let's have those where people can legally camp, right? Where people can you can put you know their cars and RVs and people who right now are on the streets and you know it's not perfect, but you know that it's has better, yeah. it has water, right? Trash and bathrooms, mm -hmm. and if they're there in a certain area, it has more security and you can provide services, right? So you can get people a path to the next step, and so I just think as opposed to you know having you know permanent supportive housing and apartments for everybody, which is 500 to a thousand, 500,000 to a million dollars per unit. Yeah. That's just illusory right now. We can't, we just need to focus on emergency shelter for the masses. And, and then we concurrently focus on that, but we have to just get people off of the streets, out of our neighborhoods and parks into to a better situation. Yeah. I, I went this week to do the count point in time. And I ran into a couple homeless people and we asked them a bunch of questions and I asked them, you know, would you go to a place like, like I'm describing? And they said, yeah, it's way better than we have here. Right. Yeah. It's interesting. Like you're probably like the one candidate for mayor who grew up here has, you know, been on city council, had the experience in the state now, you know, coming back. Can you kind of talk about, you know, your, your campaign in the next, what, 30 days, what it's primary time and, and go to kind of how you're spending your time and getting out to the voters. Yeah, no, I'm a sports guy. So this is go time. This yeah. is like game time right here. So, Fourth quarter, yeah. Yeah, this is um, the the voters get their ballots in a few weeks. And, you know, all politics um, are local. And retail politics has always mm -hmm. been my strong suit. So I'm out there going to the farmer's market on weekends, right. talking to people, knocking on doors most days, talking to voters, going to community events. So um, I, I, I enjoy that. And, you know, people are asking the same questions, which you just asked mm -hmm. earlier, the issues of, housing, homelessness, the city budget, our youth, you know, public safety, you know, those are the core issues that, that, that come up a lot. And, um, I, I think that people value, um, experience to be able to, to get stuff done. And so that's what I pride myself on is that 
you know, I've been effective at all these different levels of government looking for real solutions to our problems. And so, you know, I'm, I'm bringing that same skill set I, I currently have in this legislature that I had on the city council yeah. to the voters. And so it's up to them. And I, I think I got a good shot, but on March 5th, we'll know. So <laughs> we'll there's see. six of us running and the top two go on to the, to the, um, to the uh, general election in November. Okay, great. Well, thanks for taking the time to stop by and uh, talk with us before the election and uh, best of luck and uh, hope to see you in the runoff here in a couple of weeks. Yes, thank you. Awesome. Thanks, thanks Kevin. for the conversation. Thank you.